Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. America's cities need Republicans, and I'm becoming one. Well, holy heck, that's a headline. That was in the Wall Street Journal today. An opinion piece. Uh, that, that That's out. It's from Eric Johnson. You may be asking who Eric Johnson is. He's the mayor of Dallas, Texas. And he's switching parties. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. Ah, I said WIBC. That's my morning show. This is Tony Katz today. I forget sometimes. I do a lot of radio. One day I'm going to introduce myself as Eat, Drink, Smoke. It happens. That's how you know it's live, people. We don't fix it in post. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. He's the mayor of Dallas. Writing in the Wall Street Journal, I've been mayor of Dallas for more than four years. During that time, my priority has been to make the city safer, stronger, and more vibrant. That meant saying no to those who wanted to defund the police. It meant fighting for lower taxes and a friendlier business climate. And it meant investing in family-friendly infrastructure such as better parks and trails. Now, let me take the last part of this first really quick. Because the political right is miserable about this. The data is in. It is incontrovertible. People like parks. And when you talk about cities, people want green spaces. Professor Elaine Berteau, um, who wrote the book Order Without Design, a, really, a fascinating dude, talks about the idea of random encounters. That when it comes to city life and the reason people move to cities, you can talk about all the amenities all you want, but all of those amenities exist for a purpose and the purpose is random encounters. They want to meet cool people and see cool things. They want to be surrounded by cool stuff happening all the time in very, very fun places. Parks. Green spaces, these things matter to the idea of random encounters. They matter, people want them, and it doesn't matter if you think it's a waste of space. To the political right, my people, my people, be clear. If you think it's a waste of space, you're just wrong. The data is in, and if you want to run a city, get used to it. That doesn't mean you need to have a bike lane everywhere and take away car lanes for bike lanes. It will mean that people do use bikes and you might want to be able to have some maneuverability and room for that. I think roads are for cars myself and then bikes come ipso facto. But green spaces? There is just no debate here. Parks and trails. People want them. End of list. But a lower tax base and a lower tax rate and a friendlier business climate, 100% true. Go back to Dr. Elaine Berteau, Professor Berteau. When people talk about a friendlier business climate, very often we think of lower taxes, but that's not always it. If you want to talk about what actually moves people, 
make it easier for them to open a business. You could have whatever tax rate, but if opening the business is simple, the regulations are minimal, the red tape is non-existent, people will come. Because just like so many things, they won't engage in something they believe is a hassle. If you're opening a, if you're trying to, let's say, steal something, let's say you're trying to steal something, are you going to steal from the place that has the cop outside or doesn't have the cop outside? That's exactly the point. You want to create less regulations to make it easier for people to open a business because entrepreneurs just want to create. They'll deal with the other things, but they want to create, and the taxes should still be low. He writes, does the mayor of Dallas, Eric Johnson, that the approach is working, that among America's 10 most populous cities, Dallas alone has brought down violent crime in every major category, including murder, year over year for the past two years. Now, I'd have to go take a look at the data to make sure that we're all talking about the same numbers. In a recent Gallup poll, Asking Americans to rate the safety of major cities, Dallas came out on top. Well, I know that my beloved Indianapolis would never come out on top. Chicago would never come out on top. New York would never come out on top. Los Angeles would never come out on top. San Francisco would never come out on top. Atlanta would never come out on top. No way. He writes that after these wins for the people of Dallas and securing 98.7% of the vote in my re-election campaign this year, I have no intention of changing my approach to my job. But today, I am changing my party affiliation. Next spring, I will be voting in the Republican primary. When my career in elected office ends in 2027 on the inauguration of my successor as mayor, I will leave office as a Republican. Um, I sometimes wonder whether the party switch is necessary. And then you realize that if you aren't going about the progressive methodology of, well, let's not put everybody in jail now. Well, putting people in jail is probably racist. We can't do that. Well, we don't prosecute these drug crimes. Well, people who are stealing, as you know, they're just they're just trying to 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 make ends meet in this very difficult environment. COVID did it. COVID's the problem. COVID's the everything. COVID caused all the problems. COVID caused all the issues. COVID caused all the all the damage. My God! And of course, uh, there is all the the racial disparity. Oh my gosh! The racial hate. Oh my gosh! The bigotry. All oh, the white supremacy. The white supremacy. See, that's the problem. That's what's affecting the cities. The white supremacy is causing the crime. We don't want to prosecute the crime because it's not their fault. It's the white supremacy. Fault. Now, are you saying that only black people commit crimes? Well, we're not saying that, but the crimes and the white supremacy and the crime, and they lose their minds. They don't even know how to address these subjects. They're unwilling to address the subjects. But as we have seen, the thing that they do very, very well is get angry at those who don't follow along on the subjects. Maybe that's why these people switch parties. Maybe that's why. He writes that during the decade I spent serving my hometown in the Texas House of Representatives, I was a Democrat in a Republican-controlled legislature. 
I prided myself on finding common sense solutions and working closely with my conservative colleagues to improve policing, public education, and water infrastructure. I was never a favorite of the Democratic caucus, and the feeling was mutual. He writes that by the time he was elected mayor in 2019, I was relieved to be free from hyperpartisanship and ready to focus on solving problems. But I don't believe, he writes, I can stay on the sidelines any longer. I've always tried to be honest and say what I think is right for my city. The future of America's great urban centers depends on the willingness of our nation's mayors to champion law and order and practice fiscal conservatism. Well, ain't that something? The problem is that shouldn't be a political thought. That should be a pragmatic, rational thought, regardless of one's politics. And obviously for this guy, it is. Champion law and order, practice fiscal conservatism. That should be, that should be a standard philosophy. One of decency, one of morality, one of common sense. But no, we see radical progressives who believe in an unlimited spending and a defunding of the police and a we shouldn't go after this crime. And the problem is we don't put more into social services here. These are dreams. Doesn't work in reality. He writes, our cities desperately need the genuine commitment to these principles, as opposed to the inconsistent, poll-driven commitment of many Democrats. And he writes that these principles has long been a defining characteristic of the GOP. In other words, he writes, American cities need Republicans, and Republicans need American cities. That is where the story is. The story is not as we have seen time and time again in large cities where Democrats have failed the city and the policies, progressive policies have failed the cities. That we see it in name the city. It's that these cities are all run by Democrats because Republicans have flat out given up. They don't know how to talk to the people in these cities. They're afraid of the people in these cities. They don't know how to campaign in these cities. They won't spend the money necessary in these cities. And they'll all tell you the same thing. Well, Tony, there's only so much money and and we can't we can't afford to run every race that was actually told to me said to me here in the state of Indiana regarding the Indianapolis mayor's race four years ago by the then chair of the Indiana Republican Party. We can't run every race. That is an immediately disqualifying statement. Of course you can. You just have to be willing. Well, it's the state of Indiana. We get the governor's mansion and we have a supermajority. That's enough. No, it's not because the capital city is going to hell in a handbasket. Chicago, Chicago is so crazy. How crazy are they? Thank you. Chicago is so crazy, they think they're going to be able to open government-run supermarkets. What? Were you expecting some kind of of weird sound effect after that? Some kind of funny little thing? No. No, there's... There, there's, there's nothing that can be said. There is nothing that can come after that. Chicago thinks that they 
can run supermarkets in parts of the city where there are no longer supermarkets because it is so flat out dangerous and violent and the theft is so great that the supermarkets can't remain. Do you know how criminally insane you have to be to to think this? The city of Austin, Texas, decided that Uber was a problem because the cabbies were unionized and they wanted to protect their union guys, that they pushed Uber out. And they were going to run their own system with their own app, and it folded in less than a year. Because government isn't good at these things. But government can be good at getting out of the way. And government is tasked with the concepts of law and order. And government is tasked with the concepts of keeping the streets clean, never mind filling potholes, etc. Government has a role to play. And our cities have been abandoned by the Republican Party because it's just too difficult. Because the vast majority of Republicans are cowards afraid to talk to black people. Let's say it again. The majority of Republicans are cowards who are afraid to talk to black people and to Hispanic people and to Asian people. They're afraid to carry on the conversation. They don't know how to outreach. They don't know what to say. And they're so freaking tongue-tied every four seconds that they think, my gosh, anything I say will be used against me. I might as well just ignore that. As if somehow the people who live in cities don't have financial issues that concern them or safety issues that concern them that affect us regardless of our political anythings. When it comes to voting for president, people vote for the D or the R. When it comes to the local municipality, tell me that the streets will be clean. Tell me that my kids will be safe walking home from school. Tell me I can find a freaking job. I'll vote for you. And the Republican Party in Indianapolis completely ignores Indianapolis. They ignore the capital city. And Republicans across the country ignore their cities. The most important thing this man has said, and I don't know this man from a hole in the wall. In other words, his words, not mine, I'm quoting. In other words, American cities need Republicans and Republicans need American cities. He writes, when Theodore Roosevelt, who he refers to as his political hero, was born, only 20% of Americans lived in urban areas. By the time he was elected president, that share had doubled to 40. Today, it stands at 80%. As America's cities go, so goes America. Read the piece. Force your local conservatives, your local Republicans, to focus on cities. Tell them not to be afraid. They'll make mistakes. They'll get better. I mean, that's true in a bunch of cases. I'm going to talk education in a little bit. Same exact thing applies. I don't know if this guy had to change parties. Maybe that's where the the most impacts comes from. But that is the truest thing I've heard in a long time. Republicans need to get up off their ass and stop being afraid and go win the elections that they say are unwinnable. And if you don't win, try again in four years. I'm Tony Katz.
The Dow is down 10, NASDAQ is up 60, and the iPhone 15 is out, and you don't care. Although people did line up. They lined up. We still do this thing where we line up for the iPhone, and we're like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh. I'm assuming that's what people sound like. Oh. All I know is someone told me they were trading in their phone for the iPhone 15 because they, was it Verizon or one of them was given like 800 some odd dollars. I'm like, wait a second. What? Everyone has gotten so used to the idea that they pay for their phone over time and they just switch it out and switch it out. I, I have the 14 Pro. I need to upgrade to the 15? Do I, I mean, I, please tell me no. Please tell me I don't have to do this. That I'm fine just the way I am. Good Lord. It's made out of titanium. I don't know what to do with that. Now, if the camera's better, I mean, I'm a guy who creates a lot of video, that could be a reason. That could be a reason to do it. But in the end, just let me get another year out of this thing. That's all I'm asking. There's some polling out of New Hampshire, which ties into some polling out of New Hampshire. Follow me here. Again, you've heard me say it. I never believe just one poll. I don't believe anything anymore when it comes to polling. I am 12 times bitten, 182 times shy. I'm just not there. This is a CNN University of New Hampshire poll that says uh, that a rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump would give Biden the advantage. 52% would pick Biden, 40% Trump, 8% unsure. Huh. Now, in national polling matchups, it wasn't that close. It actually was, or or that spread, it was actually closer. It was 47-46 Trump over over Biden, and it was 46-46 DeSantis-Biden. So why in New Hampshire would this be different? Now, it could be uh, the poll itself and what they used. Uh, the margin of error here is a 3.2%. They surveyed 2,107 people. So that's where the, this, is, this is at. That's where this poll is at. All right, that's some pretty interesting, pretty interesting data. Here's where it gets interesting. In the latest Insider Advantage poll, Trump 42, Christie 10. Now, Nikki Haley is 14. Nikki Haley's in third place. In the poll before that, the CNN, University of New Hampshire poll, Trump 39, Nikki Haley 12, Chris Christie 11. DeSantis, 10. Ramaswamy in that poll is at 13. I am left to wonder if the rest of the field could consolidate down to two or three instead of the eight. Is there a clear contender? And if New Hampshire thinks Trump's beatable, Does that apply itself to Iowa? 
Is that an outlier compared to the national polls and shouldn't be listened to? Hmm. Take on the Ravens, and they'll do it without Anthony Richardson. Of course, they'll do it without Jonathan uh, Taylor. I mean, we could have had Kareem Hunt maybe uh, maybe being our running back, but no, he went to Cleveland after the injury to Nick Chubb. There's a question of what could have been, maybe a question of what should have been, but really we got to deal with what we are, what we have, and what we have is the possibility of a one and two record at the end of this Sunday. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. JMV joins us, 93.5-1075, the fan in Indianapolis. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. And before we get to the Colts, this Nick Chubb injury that took place uh, there in, in the Browns game. Uh, and and uh, people are getting on the Steelers' case for the hit. I don't think there was anything wrong with the hit whatsoever. But it seems to me, maybe this is just cursory, maybe I'm not, uh, I don't have enough historical perspective, a tremendous number of injuries so far in the first uh, two weeks. Is there something going on? Is it is it a turf conversation? Is it uh, the, the level to which these guys are now stronger than ever and faster than ever? Or is this just life in the NFL? No, I think it's just life in the NFL. And some people would argue, especially the old schoolers, none of the new schoolers, that you just don't have enough time to to make those game type of situations. Tony in training camp meeting, there's not enough padded days or, you know, the actual tackling going on. But on the other side, then you compromise maybe the start of the season with injuries as well. I just think now it is largely just a part of the NFL and that's that's what has to happen and you have to be prepared for it either way it's funny Chris Ballard had always said right always maintained we need this level of depth I'm always trying to find a high level of depth for this team and it rarely if ever have we seen that depth here and you know that's going to come into play coming up on Sunday and not so much talking about the quarterback which I'm sure we'll get into but Ryan Kelly's in concussion protocol he hasn't practiced all week so unless there's some huge surprise he probably won't play Wesley French will start his first game ever at center in the NFL against a really good Ravens defense. And we'll look at Kenny Moore in the back half of the defense coming up on Sunday. He's been out all week with an injury as well. So, yeah, in the secondary, by the way, Tony, really can't take too much more because they got a lot of new impressions there. So going to have to find some depth, depth here or there. And, oh, by the way, may have to deal with some weather incoming in Baltimore on Sunday as well. So there's going to be a lot going down in this week three against the Ravens for the Colts on Sunday. Now, we should be clear, the Ravens have a long list of injuries. Odell Beckham Jr. with the ankle. You got Justice Hill, the running back with with, with the toe. Cornerback, center, uh, outside linebacker in, in OWE. Uh, I think that's how I pronounce it, O-W-E-H. Uh, Ronnie Stanley with the knee. Marcus Williams, a safety with, with that pectoral issue, right? They have not engaged practice this week at all. But you forgot to mention Quentin Nelson, who, yeah. with the toe issue, has not practiced going into Friday. Without Ryan Kelly, your center, without Quentin Nelson, your guard, you're Gardner Minshew, and you're like, are you sure Anthony Richardson isn't okay? Are you sure? Are you positive? That sucks, man. Here's, here's what I would say, Tony, about Quentin Nelson. The reason why I didn't bring him up is I think this is going to be, this toe issue is going to be something that is going to be for the foreseeable future a weekly occurrence, meaning you're not going to see him practice very much at all. 
But then in terms of playing on Sunday, he's going to end up playing. So that's what I look for. Nelson playing, but just not practicing too much, if at all, over the course of the week because that toe situation, I think, is is going to be a little bit longer lasting, certainly around here, than people would like. But now Gardner Minshew is an interesting dilemma, I think, here, right? Because you saw what he did, especially in the second quarter, when he had that duty coming up for Richardson and Houston. They end up winning the game. But, again, the Ravens are completely dynamic. It's a different dynamic than the Texans. Texans, both sides of the football, not any good. We saw that. The Ravens were the better teams of the NFL and certainly defensively can get after you, too. The better linebackers and Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen going to be coming after the Colts as well. But you're right. I mean, you look at the injuries the Ravens have. A lot of those that you just mentioned, Tony, were guys that anchor along that offensive line. So, you know, you're protecting Lamar Jackson. I mentioned the weather situation. J.K. Dobbins done for the season. Gus Edwards is the guy that's in there as well at running back. The one thing, Tony, the Ravens did in the offseason, they got serious about getting some weapons for Lamar Jackson. You know, once Lamar Jackson and the Ravens came, came together on a new deal, they got serious about it. They drafted Zay Flowers out of Boston College round number one, added Odell Beckham Jr., already had Bateman in the fold as well, brought in Nelson Aguilar, who I think was their leading receiver last week. They got serious about that position. Todd Munkin is the new offensive coordinator from Georgia. There's a lot more throwing right now in this Ravens offense than there has been in the past. And given what the Colts have looked like, especially last weekend in that secondary, that may not be the best of things. So maybe you hope for some bad weather from a Colts standpoint. Let's talk about what we've got going on with the Colts when it comes to running. Zach Moss with 88 yards against the Texans. Jonathan Taylor is, of course, out on the physical, physically unable to perform list. Uh, Deion Jackson fumbled twice in the first game, and I'm not quite sure he will be heard from again. You did sign Jake Funk, making me happy, but he <laughs> barely saw the field uh, the other day. This game can be put on Zach Moss. Can Zach Moss do another week of carrying the full load? Yeah, I, I, he took all but one snap um, offensively on Sunday. I, that It'd be hard for me to believe that's going to happen again because rarely, if ever, that happens. Now, you remember earlier this week they bring in Trey Sermon and add him to the practice squad. So it wouldn't surprise me, and I know that would be quickly getting up to speed, but running backs normally can do that. Wouldn't surprise me if Trey Sermon may be active coming up on Sunday in Baltimore. We saw him in that preseason matchup in Philadelphia. He had some good times as a former third round selection in San Francisco as well. But yeah, I just don't think I don't see Zach Moss doing what he did in Houston um, this particular weekend against Baltimore. It was great. I mean, seemingly for Colts fans, it must have felt like you had like Walter Payton or Jim Brown back there compared to the week prior at that similar position. But, yeah, Moss is more of a between-the-tackles guy. He's not going to get you outside. I think part of the problem, Tony, you have here is you don't have Anthony Richardson as well, presumably here, because yeah. of concussion protocol. He's going to be on the outside. Not only Everything's going to be on the inside. That's, that, that could be problematic. Because not only do you offense. not have the mobility of Richardson, but when we talk about the right. running back, you don't have anybody that Gardner's going to be able to dump the ball off, off to, especially if he doesn't have an offensive line that's healthy, to just do that little either the screen or just get it out of his hands and that check down to be able to just get a couple of yards. If you've got a running back that can't catch, you don't have that opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be tough to get outside the tackles, and that's what I was talking about. I mean, Menchu is not going to be able to do that. He can put touch on the football. The football can be there. He can still run that Shane Steichen offense. 
but not literally run it, if you know what I mean, not get outside. And the guy that got outside and opened up things last week was early on was that of Anthony Richardson. And Zach Moss is, you know, a guy that's going to run between the tackles. Doesn't uh, really, if ever, gets outside. He's more of a yeah, kind of a sledgehammer, if you will. So they're going to have, I think, some skill trouble getting outside. It's going to be interesting to see how they – end up utilizing that offense in terms of just not having that Tony as a possibility on Sunday. You take a look at how uh, Lamar Jackson is doing with everything that was the, uh, the drama of him. I want guaranteed contract. I want this money. I want that money. You got to do this. You got to do the other. It's been a good start. They're two and oh, he's got 406 yards in the air, does uh, Lamar Jackson? Never mind. He's got 92 yards on, on the ground, running yeah. the ball. Who on this Colts defense is going to be tasked with stopping him and shadowing him? Oh well, I mean, you got some some good thoughts right there. I mean, I mean, maybe if you're talking about a guy like EJ Speed from the linebacker position, you know, maybe if you look at a safety, yeah, yeah, maybe Julian. Blackman, I'm not. I'm not sure. You'd think somebody is probably going to be zeroed in on him and shadowing him as much as possible. But as I mentioned, and I thought you alluded to that really well too, this is a more balanced offensive situation through the first two weeks of this year for this Ravens team than we've seen in the past. I mean, obviously Mark Andrews at tight end is still there, but these additions that they made because they wanted to go vertical more and they wanted to be more balanced and at the same time also take some of that pressure and Tony we're going to be dealing with this with Anthony Richardson further down the road they wanted to take some of that you know running pressure away and taking all those hits away from Lamar Jackson and through the first two weeks of the season you mentioned the numbers Uh, they have been strong and they have gotten the job done we'll see if they can do it against the Colts Sunday talking to JMV from 93.5-1075 the fan the voice of sports in Indiana Allow me to ask a question about busts, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, because we, we this this comes this happens, and I don't actually like the term because sometimes it's not the right system. Sometimes it has nothing to do with anything other than ex- external pieces. Is Alec Pierce a bust at wide receiver for the Colts? You know, it's funny you didn't hear from him whatsoever, and then Minshew came in and threw him a couple of passes, and then we heard his name on Sunday. He is not a bust yet. It's still too early to describe him as such. However, I think there have been a couple of different situations that have held him down. Last year, uh, obviously, he was up and down. He had a couple of good moments and a couple of not-so-good moments. He uh, ideally would love to get down the field and have Anthony Richardson when healthy and Richardson's signature throwing it up and having Pierce go get it. Those deep balls that Richardson throws – as far as a throwing quarterback is concerned, is probably the top of his repertoire right there. He's just been unable to utilize it because, well, one, in week number one, they couldn't run. They didn't test anybody deep. And then he was out of the game so quickly on Sunday, that was taken out of the equation. So in terms of that, Tony, I just don't think that Alec Pierce has been able to be utilized in the capacity yet in which the Colts want to use him and then you saw Menchu kind of give him a couple of balls that he caught on Sunday as well. Um, they need more because they need more of those definitive skill position players to step up. He was supposed to be that guy, and so far he hasn't. There are a myriad of reasons, those I gave you a couple, but he is going to have to step his game up because a lot more than what he has given certainly is what people around here and the Colts 
will expect I think we just have to see a, a consistently healthy Anthony Richardson and a running game that allows him to go deep, which just simply hasn't been the case so far, Tony. What is the thing you expect to see in this Colts-Ravens matchup uh, this Sunday? If you are, are the Colts, wh- which way are you going? Are you looking to try and uh, keep this defense uh, off balance with, with a mix? Are you going to let Gardner Minshew actually throw it deep? Does he have the ability to throw it deep? Or is it underneath, underneath, pick, 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 uh, pick your way down the field and hope uh, that your defense can just stymie Lamar uh, Jackson? Yeah, my brother, it's um, part two of what you just said right there. I think you're going to see a lot more going underneath a lot of the high percentage passes and situations that we've seen them in offensively so far. I think we're going to see a lot of that. Um, I kind of, and I don't know, this may not be beneficial for the Colts, but I talked about the weather and a tropical storm and, you know, a lot of rain, some wind, the remnants of whatever that tropical storm is in and around the Baltimore area. I think ideally that may work to the Colts' advantage. The problem is I just don't know how much of an advantage it's going to be offensively for them, too, to be able to score. So maybe the game is closer if the weather conditions are not close to being ideal. You know, other than that, I think it's an eight-point spread right now, and the home favor is the Ravens. I would have to take that and then some. I think so far, they're too good. And on the other hand, the Colts are all dinged up. The Colts really aren't that great. And I just I don't like the matchup whatsoever in week number three. I will tell you this. We may talk about it. Think about this. If Minshew goes out there and does perform well, and they surprise everybody, right, and they win, then you're going to call me on Monday morning. I'm assuming I'm going to talk about this. What are we talking about? What's going to be the fan's opinion if Minshew goes out there against one of the best teams in the NFL and has himself a day? That would be interesting if that scenario would happen to play out. Oh, you're talking about creating a quarterback controversy in Indianapolis? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Are you, are yeah. you Not, talking granted, about it or are you dreaming yeah. about it? Which one? No, 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 no. I don't. Anthony Richardson Come on. is going to be the no, no, no. Anthony Richardson's going to be the starter and should be the starter. But you also are faced with the dilemma in this market of a fan base that is starved for any winning and positivity whatsoever. I just think from the fans, if Minshew has a, a great afternoon against this good team, then that is going to be a topic of conversation. But the team and I certainly would err on the side of continuing to start Anthony Richardson. That's That's the only call right here because that's that's the start of the season. That's what this season is all about right now, to make sure he's under center, certainly when he's healthy. Hey, I don't I, think that's going to be, to me, a question, but I think it will be for the fans if that scenario plays I out. I got faith in Gardner. I want to see him do well. I agree it's Anthony Richardson's team, but last night, Thursday Night Football, there was Andrew Luck in the post game, dressed <laughs> as Captain Andrew Luck, who has finally tweeted out, um, he looks good, he looks strong, he looks like he could throw a few. People still dream yeah, of that, well, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, man. I hated, by the way, I couldn't stand that Twitter account. Now the X account of Captain Andrew Luck. I I never really thought that was too funny. Last night was pretty funny. I think what you saw from Luck last night, Tony, on Amazon Prime was his real humor. He's a funny dude. He was just so guarded, right, and, and didn't really let anybody in while he was here. He is always and always will be just a different dude. I mean, he was. He was in on soccer and architecture and trivia before football and you know unfortunately for the Colts they're still dealing with that 
final two weeks before the start of the season, deciding to step away and retire, quit deal. And he's right never there. coming he's back, right? Right now, he's never What's coming that? back. He's never, ever, ever, ever coming back. That's, That's the closest in that um, Civil War uniform he was in last night. That's the closest he's ever going to get to being in uniform on a football field again. JMV 93.5-1075, the fan. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. Always appreciate you. More is coming up. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today. He recently said that he is very unlikely, it would be very unlikely that he would attempt to pardon himself. Do you believe him? I don't believe him on anything. Why would I start believing him on that? Um, you know, the thing about him, and, and I'm not the only person who's noticed this, is he engages in what psychologists call projection. So whenever he accuses somebody else of doing something, it's almost guaranteed he's doing it himself or he's already done it. Or whenever he denies uh, thinking about doing something or doing it, it's almost guaranteed he is thinking about it or he's already done it. Thank goodness Hillary Clinton is here to give us the good psychological analysis. And Jen Psaki accepted this idea from a non-doctor. And if we're going to engage the concepts of projection, I can apply that to the Democratic Party in spades. Jen Psaki has been given an expanded role at MSNBC. This is what she's doing with it. I ask you, what's the point of it all? My God, I'm, I just want you to know right now, MSNBC, I'm ready to do a show. I'll get better ratings than Jen Psaki because I won't allow people like Hillary Clinton to act like doctors or, or be president. This is Tony Katz today.